Um, and the last uh, honorable mention is Mada. <laughs> Mada Mata. Mata Mata. Mata Mata. Mata Mata. The last um. <laughs> The last honorable mention is Matamata, New Zealand. Hope I didn't butcher that. Hey there and welcome. You're listening to Bookish Family Travel and I'm your host, Brittany. This podcast explores the magical intersection between literature and travel. So grab your favorite book and a map because just like Bilbo, we're going on an adventure. Okay, so today we're going to explore real-life locations that bring about magic and wonder that you find in the classic fairy tales and pilgrim stories that you love so much. So, I've had a few questions about the definition of uh, literature travel. Um, There are a lot of definitions, and this is one of my favorites. That's not true. I have a lot of favorites. (laughs) I have a lot of favorite things about family literature travel, and... I can't really pick one that's the most interesting or the most fun, but this one ranks up there if I had to pick. (laughs) So without further ado, um, we are going to actually be talking about a few things in this episode. Firstly, it'll be why traveling to enchanting places with your children is so important. Um, What are fairy tale destinations? So like, what does that include Um, and how to choose them? Uh, I'm going to give you a spotlight on destinations and then uh, the reading recommendations that go along with those destinations. I'm also going to give you practical advice for planning a trip to fairy tale destinations with kids. And um, we're going to do a little bit of a listener Q&A. So let's talk about why fairy tale travel is so important um, for your kids. Certainly it's not something that everyone has heard of or everyone has the privilege to do. But um it has a lot of really great benefits. And if more people were privy to it, I think, um, well, I think it would be a great thing. So firstly, um, it, it helps by cultivating a love for stories. Okay. Fairy tale destinations provide a super tangible link between literature and the world. And it helps foster a really, really deep love for stories and, and storytelling in itself. Um, kids are more likely to engage with books when they can relate to narratives to the real places they visited, right? So um, it's not just uh, one thing to uh, see the Central Park um, in a book that a monkey ran around in with the man in the yellow hat, but really to step into Central Park and imagine that monkey is, is totally different. And it, I'm sure it would bring um, something Uh, magical to the location and the book for the kiddos. Um, Next, it helps create lasting memories. I I think this is a given, um, but traveling to these places is going to create indelible memories for your kids and for you. Um, They're going to become the cherished stories that your kids carry with them into adulthood and they tell their kids who, you know, are going to be your grandkids. Um, And this is just going to absolutely build a treasure trove of shared family adventures that you guys will be able to tell around the table or at Christmas or whatever for years to come. Next, it helps encourage curiosity. Okay, I know a lot of kids don't really need help being curious. Uh, For instance, my four-year-old asks a lot of questions and sometimes uh, it's hard. (laughs) But I love it and it's wonderful because... um, 
asking questions and being curious um, and seeking to understand is is one of the best ways to learn and, and grow as a person. So exploring these fairy tale destinations um, does all those things. You know, it's going to encourage those kids to ask the questions and, and figure out, you know, why things are the way they are in these locations. It's helping to instill a natural curiosity about different cultures, about histories, and ultimately the diverse wonders of the world that we live in. This is also going to help them build a global perspective, which is so important in today's day and age. So experiencing uh, these places provides kids with a broader understanding of the world around them. Um, it also helps them appreciate cultural diversity and fosters a sense of global citizenship from a young age. So ultimately, it's going to help them uh, appreciate and maybe not understand, but at least have space, uh, hold space for things and uh, experiences and people that are different than what they're used to. So in essence, exploring fairy tale destinations with children is about creating a bridge between the magical realms of literature and the wonders of this great, big, beautiful world. Okay. It's a journey that ignites curiosity. It builds lasting memories and lays the foundation for a lifelong love of reading and exploration. <laughs> So at this point, you're probably wondering what exactly is a fairy tale destination um, outside of a storybook, right? So in terms of the real world, what does that mean? <laughs> um, in my mind, they are real world locations that capture the whimsy and enchantment um, that you find every time you open up one of those classic storybooks. Um, it's going to help transport visitors to the heart of their favorite stories. So when I choose these destinations, I look for a few different characteristics. So firstly, um, I obviously wanted to have been inspired by literature, right? It needs to give kids and adults a chance to step into their favorite tales. Also, um, I look for a little bit of magic in it, right? Uh, often they have uh, architecture, landscapes, and cultural elements that mirror the settings and the attitudes and themes in these fairy tales. Also, I always make sure when I'm choosing these locations that they have particular kind of educational value. So travelers um, should be able to learn about history, culture, and geography in an engaging and immersive way. So there's probably a link, and don't quote me on this, because I'm not a um, learning style scientist by any means, <laughs> but there's probably a link between connected real world experiences um, and the knowledge gained from what you're reading, even in fictional tales. Um, and lastly, I want it to be a place that ignites the imagination. So I'm always careful to make sure these locations are easy for every bookish adventurer to envision themselves in. Um, and to imagine themselves as the beloved characters in the stories they love so much. Okay, so on to the destinations themselves. Enough about why I chose them, right? So the first one I chose, and it was inspired, uh, the choice was inspired by Beauty and the Beast, a very classic fairy tale. I'm sure most kids and adults have heard of it. Um, but the location is... Um, that I think would really match up with it is uh, Rickwer in Alsace, France. So Alsace is known for 
a beautiful, charming, uh, well-preserved uh, medieval area, right? It's got a lot of towns that have colorful, half-tempered houses and cobbled streets. So just imagine Belle, you know, dancing down the cobbled streets and <laughs> um, singing about her provincial town. Um, so her village is actually in the, the story characterized by this provincial charm. Um, the surrounding vineyards in the area, and there are a lot, um, they provide a very similar rustic allure. You can also find historic castles and quaint villages in the same proximity. So the Hout Koenigsberg Castle might remind you of the Beast Castle, uh, while the region's villages in proximity to the Black Forest create a timeless setting, right? So this is a very unique and beautiful blend of nature and architecture um, that are coming together to create these fairy tale surroundings. Alsis um, also has a unique cultural heritage, okay? So with the influences of both French and German traditions, which you can probably hear in some of the names I've, I've just mentioned, um, you're, if you're given the chance to explore, it's a really great way to immerse yourself in the stories that might have taken place here some time ago, as well as the culture. Um, the, the unique blend of culture doesn't happen very often in many places. All right, next up, we have Cappadocia, Turkey. Uh, that is inspired by Aladdin and the Magic Lamp, uh, or more commonly referred to as Aladdin. Um, I chose this area because it has these really cool um, stone uh, structures called fairy chimneys and cave formations, and they can totally transport you to this fantastic world of Aladdin. Um, there are none that are, um, you know, shaped like giant tigers that'll come to life, but um, they are definitely surreal and exotic. So Cappadocia has this blend of a deeply rooted culture um, over centuries. Um, and it also has a lot of historical sites that are ripe with adventures. So lastly, Cappadocia is famous for stargazing opportunities and hot air balloon lit landscapes during certain seasons. So if you go, you're going to have a lot of different choices of things to discover and explore. Um, next we have Sintra, Portugal, um, inspired by the Little Mermaid. So Sintra is renowned for whimsical and colorful palaces and castles. Yes, you heard that right. Palaces and castles, plural. <laughs> Pina Palace and the Moorish Castle um, are two very famous ones. They evoke the image of underwater palaces made of coral, perhaps. Um, Sintra is also located near the Atlantic Ocean. And it's got this beautiful, stunning coastal view. Um, it's a charming town. It's got misty forests. And it's elevated along the coastline, which just makes it downright ethereal, right? Also, the rich history and culture in Sintra would be a wonderful backdrop for exploring themes of identity, longing, and the clash between different worlds, all of which were explored in The Little Mermaid. So I have some honorable mentions here. Neuschwanstein Castle in Germany um, that was inspired by the Brothers Grimm fairy tales like Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella. Um, it's just kind of like your, uh, I don't want to say all American because obviously it's not, but like it's, it's your, your 
quintessential castle, your fairy tale castle. So it's got this beautiful architecture um, that it, it mirrors enchanted castles found in classic tales. It's got towers, turrets, and ornate detailing. And I forget the king's name who commissioned the castle, but um, it was said that he was very imaginative and loved fairy tales himself. Um, so it's no wonder it looks like a fairy tale castle. Um, the Bavarian landscape around it is absolutely stunning. It's situated in the Alps, which gives it this romantic element to your travel as well. Um, if that's something you ever want to combine with the fairy tale stuff. Um, and the surrounding culture and its folklore that inspired the Brothers Grimm um, is super cool to explore. Uh, our next honorable mention is Walt Disney World. Okay, so what was this inspired by um, like every fairy tale movie ever, right? Uh, the reason I chose Walt Disney World, while it's not a classic um, destination and really even a typical destination, um, it's a great way to stay stateside if you are located in the United States um, or Canada. Orlando is definitely closer <laughs> than some of the international mentions uh, we talked about previously. So Cinderella's iconic castle at Magic Kingdom instantly transports you into a magical realm. And I'm not kidding. As soon as you walk in, your like throat drops in your stomach, your eyes bulge, and, and it's all good because you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm seeing this. It's all so magical, right? Um, the whole of Magic Kingdom evokes a fairy tale come to life. Also, you literally get to meet the beloved Disney characters that bring your fairy tale stories to life on this big screen, so not really sure how else that can get more real. Um, Disney is unparalleled for their dedication to storytelling in every aspect of their parks, their movies, books, experiences, you name it. Um, that's what they're known for, is storytelling. The last honorable mention is Matamata, New Zealand. Um, and this has been inspired by the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit. So it's an honorable mention because it's not exactly a fairy tale, um, but it's home to the famous Hobbiton movie set, right? So a very fantastical setting. Visitors can actually step into Hobbit holes and uh, the Green Lantern uh um, it's not called a canteen or a bar, but in, I guess is what it was called in the book. Um, they can step into those and, and feel like they're in, straight up in the book or the film. Um, also, the surrounding countryside of Potomata is absolutely gorgeous. Like, if you look it up, there's lush greenery, there are meandering streams, there are beautifully maintained gardens and rolling hills. It's just absolutely adds to creating a storybook atmosphere. And there's a reason hobbits are mostly happy little creatures, you know, <laughs> if they live in a place like that. Um, lastly, Matamata allows visitors to engage in its rural culture as well. So it's got this really authentic experience um, that'll give you an appreciation for their local traditions. All right, so I had a lot of really great um, questions, uh, but I was only able to squeeze in three so um the first one is uh, how do you balance educational value with the enchantment factor in your travel recommendations so that's a really great question um i know a lot of people 
especially if you are homeschooling your kids. I know that's a big push right now. Um, and so a lot of people are, are choosing travel as an educational uh, tool. So when I am choosing uh, the recommendations I give to my clients, I strive to blend educational value with any travel experience I recommend always. So my mom was a teacher. I grew up in a classroom. Uh, pretty much I was in a classroom more than I was home. She's going to hear this and probably want to pinch me because that's not exactly true. But I was in a classroom a lot. Let's just say that. So I learned firsthand that the best learning experiences were always immersive. Always. With that knowledge, I make sure I choose places that are um, not only able to spark wonder, but also offer cultural, historical, or natural insights. Um, immersion makes learning captivating. So who wouldn't think what they're learning is thrilling if, um, you know, they got the opportunity to learn in this way? So the next question is, how can families incorporate cultural experiences into their enchanting journeys? It's another great question. So I always recommend exploring local traditions, trying traditional cuisines, um, and engaging with the community. It's really hard to do that in highly visited destinations at times, like the tourist traps, because some places function as a tourist attraction for the economy, which is great in and of itself, especially if it really boosts the economy. Um, but these tourist traps have sometimes lost a lot of the significance to the culture because of it. You know, it's very Americanized or whatever. Um, you know, I'm, I have Mexico in mind when I think of this. Like if you get off a cruise ship um, and you're in this little contained area. So there are a lot of places like that. And like I said, nothing wrong with those places because they do bring a significant economical value to these these communities. But um I also try to take my clients off the beaten path. So whenever it's feasible, whenever it's safe and appropriate for all the travelers and the party, I make sure that my clients um, can explore the lesser explored destination. Um, they're I make sure they're made aware of the local festivals happening during their travels, um, any historical landmarks that might be in close proximity. Aside from the fairy tale setting, that's like the main attraction that they're going to see or any chances to interact with locals, right? These cultural elements are going to enrich the travel experience and contribute to the enchantment factor in a very unexpected and memorable way. And lastly, do I have any advice to keep the magic alive in their children's eyes uh, during and after the trip? Yes. Yes, I do. I actually have some advice for before, during, and after. So the three stages, right? So before... Um, be sure to read books set in the des destinations you plan to visit as many as you can, as often as you can. Like if you're surprising your kids with a trip on Christmas um, on December 26th, you should break out a, a storybook that you gave them in the present to read to them because that's going to really get them excited. Even if it's a story they've heard a million and one times. Um, during the trip, document the journey through photos, journals, um, mementos, you know, things like that. Um, most people do that anyway, but, um, do this in, and keep in mind that you, you could potentially create a really cool scrapbook with your family. Um, in the last episode, I detailed a very easy practice for making a family travel journal. 
this or any other trip is a prime example of a perfect scrapbook moment. I'll link that episode in the description. Uh, that way you'll be able to easily find it. Um, like I said, though, it's the one right before this, so shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> this podcast is fairly new. I'm probably going to listen back to this in the future and cringe, but whatever. Um, and then after uh, the trip, look at that scrapbook often, like super often. Share stories, uh, perspectives, um, any kind of themes that came out of it about the places that you visited. Um, share if there's a cultural practice that stood out to you. Um, and then try to incorporate those cultural practices into your family tradition. So like if they have a specific um, Christmas tradition or New Year's tradition, if you're there on those times, try to incorporate those into your tradition. And then lastly, find ways to make those memories a cherished part of your everyday family life. Because um, really incorporating it into the everyday is what's going to create the best memories for your family. All right, last but not least, we have practical planning advice. So there are several ways to select, plan, and enjoy your trips to these fairytale destinations. First, research and define your interests, okay? So sit down and identify the literary works that resonate with your family. Now, if you have older kids, you can have them kind of participate in this. If you have younger kids, what are their favorite books? What do they ask you to read over and over and over again? Um... Figure out what those themes are in those um, works and 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 what how you, how you can tie all those themes together. So then you want to research the destinations that align with the settings of those stories. Next, always consider accessibility, and that goes for any planning any trip. Um, you want to evaluate how easy the destination is to traverse, especially with young children or anyone in the travel party who might need some extra support. Um, always make sure there are family-friendly accommodations and uh, transportation options, especially internationally, because um, you just never know uh, what kind of transportation you're going to run into in some of these uh, more exotic towns. Um, and then also you want to verify family-friendly facilities with appropriate amenities like parks, playgrounds, etc. Always plan age-appropriate experiences. So that's self-explanatory, but be sure to include all age groups, not just the kids, not just the adults, but everyone. So moms to toddlers, hear me when I say this. Um, I am speaking to you. <laughs> How often do you plan things for your family with uh, just your toddler in mind? And not on purpose. I know you don't do it on purpose. Um, and I know that because I do it, right? I think, oh my God, it's so hard to be a little person. I have to make sure everything is easier for the little person. And then the big people are making do, which is not terrible. But if you're going on a vacation, especially if it's a once in a lifetime vacation or a once in a every few years vacation or even an annual vacation, just remember um, this trip is for the entire family, right? So Plan age-appropriate experiences for every travel, uh, for every member in your travel party. Next, focus on blending education with fun. So choose places that offer enchanting experiences and educational opportunities. Not one or the other, but both, right? Incorporate visits to historical sites, museums, or cultural events, um, because this is really going to be how you get the most out of your trip. You're, you're getting, you're hitting all sides of the 
of the shape. I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. Anyway, you are covering all your bases. You're checking all the boxes with that. Keep your itineraries flexible. Nothing kills the fun of adventure like trying to keep a toddler on a tight schedule. Trust me, I know. So my family, we like to go on hikes. Uh, my husband is a very um, uh, point A to point B guy. He does not meander. He is not a meanderer. Me, I'm a meanderer. So is my daughter, <laughs> my oldest daughter. She loves to stop and pick flowers and point at leaves and watch the water and uh, look in the distance and maybe look at the bug in the rocks. Um, she just loves to do all those things. And I think it's adorable and sweet. And my husband is like, no, we have to, to, to get in at least another half mile or this won't be worth it. And I'm like, okay, slow down. He has his own way of doing things, but I'm not knocking that because some people like to hike that way and that's great. Um, and granted, he I'm probably uh, uh, exaggerating. He does like to meander sometimes and explore. But um, the point is, allowing time for spontaneous discoveries and leisure is one of the best parts about traveling. Try seeing the world through the eyes of your kids during your trip and really any other time. You know, they might slow things down, but we I think we all need a little more of being slowed down anyway, because this world is crazy, fast-paced. Next tip is to prepare for the unexpected. Pack accordingly and plan backup indoor activities for unpredictable weather. Have a contingency plan for unexpected situations like last-minute closures or tour cancellations. And then carry essentials like snacks, waters, and a small first aid kit. My kids are always hungry. Always. Snacks are a must. They are just as important as the band-aids. Um, next, immerse yourself in local culture. So speaking of tours, if you go on a tour with a local or a tour guide, nothing's better than the knowledge of those who can bring uh, the, the experience and firsthand cultural insight uh, to these stories just because they've lived it. Encourage your family to interact with the local customs and culture um, because it's going to bring so much more to their experience. Try the local cuisine, participate in events, and engage with the community. Next, you want to involve your kids in the planning. And this is going to vary um, greatly based on how old they are, but uh, I would allow them to contribute to the itinerary in any way that you can. So I'll let them suggest stories, um, which you should be doing that anyway, um, or choose from a list of activities if they can't really, you know, if they're not old enough to do their own research or whatever. Um, just involve the kids in the planning. That's a, a better way to get them more excited. Um, be sure to capture the magical moments. We've talked a lot about this travel journal thing already. Um, but you're going to want to document these adventures because you wouldn't believe how quickly you begin to forget things. And that's why I'm so thankful for smartphones. I know there can be the bane of our existence sometimes with the endless scrolling and, you know, doom scrolling or whatever. But um, having these little cameras in our pockets, it's it's an amazing thing and, and something I'm so thankful for every time my family and I travel. Okay. So with all that said, I would really love if you consider letting me plan your trips for you. Did you know it takes like on average 30 hours to plan an international vacation? So I spend my days researching these destinations and themes for my clients. Um, 
Because of that, I am well-versed in weaving enchanting destinations, bookish wonders, and seamlessly connecting logistics. Like, seamlessly. Naps, snack breaks, teenager meltdowns, whatever. I know how to connect it all. <laughs> so it takes me much less time, and I have the connections to make your exploration unfold effortlessly on your part. I'll link all the details in the description to book a free consultation with me. Um, but just know that your adventures don't have to be a puzzle. Whether I plan it for you or not, they don't have to be a puzzle. There is a way to do this and to make it memorable and lovely for you and your family. All right, y'all. That's all for today. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and giving me a rating and review. Um, it helps other bookish travelers like yourself discover this content. I would be so grateful. Um, all right. Tune in next week to learn all about fostering a passion for traveling kids through books and experiences. If you have questions or want to get in touch, you can reach me on my Instagram or TikTok. Um, that's at Bookish Family Travels. Um, I'll put the those links in the show notes. I'll also put my website, my email, any kind of contact information, and um, my scheduling page. That'll all be in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful for anyone who takes the time out of the day to listen to my little podcast. Uh, join me every Tuesday where I'll be releasing a new episode. Until then, happy reading and happy adventuring.